All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. This is my name, Dave Everett. And uh, anyway, we welcome you. We're going to continue our study this morning on knowing the Holy Spirit. I believe we're in part eight this morning. Uh, so this is a little longer series than our, our regular ones, and uh, we still have some more ground to cover. So anyway, <coughs> thank you for joining us. All of our previous uh, uh, sessions have been archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. As well as on our, our website, LighthouseDiscipleship.org, you can support our ministry with your tithes and your offerings, and we appreciate for those who, who do support us regularly in, the, in, that, in that fashion. And so anyway, um, we will have a Bible study tonight on the effortless change. I believe we're in part three tonight. And we do have a Bible study on Wednesday nights. We're actually going to be wrapping up this week of studying the New Year and the Holy Spirit. And then the following week, we'll start a new study on the Believer's Authority. So anyway, we've got a lot going on. So basically, we have Wednesday nights at, at uh, 7 o'clock, Sunday night at 6 p.m., and then we're, we're obviously here for Sunday morning. So anyway, uh, we thank you again for joining us this morning. <coughs> this morning, excuse me. And then we're excited about getting into our topic this morning. Like I said, we've been talking about knowing the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be talking about tongues this morning. Now, I know that's a very uncomfortable subject for some people. They're uncomfortable about that. But the Bible talks about it. The Bible talks a lot about it. And I believe it's important that we understand what the Bible says about it. God went in great lengths to talk about this in multiple scriptures throughout, uh, especially the New Testament, as well as the Old. But uh, so we're going to be talking about that. I think sometimes we need to address the things we're uncomfortable with uh, so we can uh, hopefully get some comfort to it. Uh, anyway, I'll talk more about that in just a minute. Let me just open again this morning with our, our key verse. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the very last chapter, very last verse of the book, the second letter to Corinthians. And it says this in the New King James, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God <coughs> Excuse me, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And then I've been reading uh, from the last few weeks from the message translation on this particular verse. And it says, The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, <coughs> excuse me, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And then if anyone, anyone who's been following our church for any strength of, length of time, you know that we talk a lot about the amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ. We even talked about the amazing, His amazing grace this morning in our, in our worship. Uh, the, we talk a lot about the extravagant love of God. In other words, we talk a lot about knowing Jesus. We talk a lot about knowing the Father. But in this series, I want you to know the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know the third member of the, of the Godhead, uh, the Holy Spirit, and have a relationship with Him. So we've been talking a lot of different things over the last seven weeks on this series. And again, this morning we're going to be talking about tongues. Tongues, I know, is an uncomfortable subject for <coughs> a lot of people, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I'm not necessarily going to address these things in order, but briefly I want to address what is tongues? What is the purpose of tongues? Do I have to speak in tongues? And can I be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? 
the short answer to that last question is yes, uh, but we're going to get a little more specifics as we go, go forward, okay? I believe there's many manifestations uh, being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Tons is one of them, and probably one of the most primary ones uh, that we see in Scripture and we see in, in people's lives. And so I do, I do agree with the teaching of the, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I agree with that because I see it in Scripture. I see that as being the norm. I see that as being almost in every single uh, incident. We're going to look at two incidents again this morning where some people think tons was not taking place. And I'm going to bring some evidence where uh, I, I disagree with that. And so, um, okay, some people, again, some people are uncomfortable talking about this. And I keep mentioning that because I want, to, I want you to understand, I understand your discomfort. I'm not trying to disrespect you in teaching on this. I, I, I want to honor the word of God above anything else. But at the same point in time, as a pastor, as a teacher, I believe I need to teach on it. And the Holy Spirit's leading me to teach on it. And I understand that. You know, again, a lot of people are uncomfortable. But a lot of people are also uncomfortable talking about tithing. But I believe tithing is a New Testament principle. Not, not, I, don't, I don't believe we're under the law, but I do believe in tithing. I don't believe in tithing as something, a debt that we owe, but it's a seed that we sow. And we talk a lot, we've talked about the tithing. I have a teaching on that, and I probably will teach on that again sometime. But some people don't like, like talking about demons. Well, demons are real. I, don't want, I, don't, I personally don't want to give a lot of attention to demons. I want to give my glory to God. I want to magnify God, not the demons. But Jesus did send the 12 out, and he said, send the 70 out. Go cast out demons, among other things. And, and so uh, that's, not necessarily my, that's not necessarily my mission. That's not even part of my commission from God. But it's something that we may come across and, and something that we do need to talk about from time to time. There's some things in our world that are very demonic. You know, I want to address those things. I don't want to put all my attention on that stuff. But I do have to address it from time to time. Hopefully I'm making sense. Some people are just uncomfortable talking about the supernatural in general. Because it's just to them, because it's supernatural, it's not natural, it's spooky. <laughs> it's weird. You know, it's supernatural. At the same point in time, I understand that from a natural perspective. I also understand that the supernatural is the norm. <laughs> the supernatural created the natural. The natural is temporary. In one sense of the word, the natural is abnormal. <laughs> in one sense of the world, word, because we're going to live for eternity in the supernatural. This is just a temporary place, but we are temporary, and we are in a natural world, and so so we need to understand that as well. My point being is that there's a lot of things we're not comfortable with, and there might be some other topics you're not comfortable with. Tons is one of those that's been, and some, and I, you know. I keep mentioning that this is uncomfortable. So for some of you, this is not uncomfortable. And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm very comfortable with this. And you might be like the Corinthians where you are too comfortable with this in some, some degree. And we need to bring some uh, uh, direction there. Some people believe it's not for today. One of the main problems I have with that is God went to great lengths to speak about a lot about the Holy Spirit and tongues in Scripture. Specifically in the New Testament, specifically in the book of Acts, the birth of God's church. And so, uh, if God goes in great lengths of talking about it, and you don't believe we should talk about it, I'm going to go with God. Okay? Uh, so, uh, no disrespect there. Uh, with all due respect, I'm going to go with God. If God wants to talk about it, then I believe we should talk about anything God wants to talk about. I think that should, that should be, you know, whatnot. 
again, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in tongues are people are uncomfortable with. Well, well, Paul spent a whole chapter on the gift of tongues in, in 1 Corinthians chapter, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me. God, Paul spent a whole chapter on the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he spent a whole chapter on tongues and prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul understood the, the goofiness and the out-of-controlness in some, some, some local churches, or booths, as we talked about last week. Um, but at the same point in time, uh, Paul understood the need to have some teaching and some guidance and some, lack of a better term, boundaries of how these things should be done decently in order. Why? Because we want coming to church and the public setting to be edifying. We want to reach the world, and we're not going to reach the world if we're goofy and out of control and acting spooky to them. Keep in mind, the world is not does not have Jesus and does not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so they're not going to understand these things. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, there was many people from many different countries, and some of them were, many of them were confused. Many of them were, were even mocking what was going on. Why? They weren't spirit-filled. In one sense of the word, they weren't saved yet. And so they couldn't understand these things. That's why Peter, who was speaking in tongues, got up and spoke in his na native language, and he pointed people to the word of God, not his own philosophies, his own thinking, and he, he in his native tongue, explained what was going on with Scripture. That is appropriate, and that's, that's what we should do, okay? So some of these things are just introductory to where we're going to go. You know, so what does the Bible say about tongues? Right? We, you know, we're talking a lot about knowing the Holy Spirit, and that is the scope of, of our, our study, but I can't, in knowing the Holy Spirit, I can't omit talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I can't omit talking about tongues. You know, it's it just, it, it comes with the territory. It comes, it, 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 it's part of the package deal. And God doesn't omit those things. He actually talks about it quite a bit. And so, so I believe we need to talk about it. Tons is the manifestation people struggle with the most. I believe there's many manifestations, and I think we need to give... Uh, contribute to those as well, but tongues is, uh, is one of the main main manifestations that we see in Scripture, and it's one that a lot of us are struggle with. Real briefly, we talked about how the tongues on Pentecost. I think most of us understand that. We talked about how tongues was evidence uh, in Cornelius' that household in Acts chapter ten. We talked about how Paul ministered to the disciples of Apollos in Acts chapter 19, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And we might talk about that a little bit more later. But, <coughs> excuse me, there were two passages of scriptures where people struggle with in the sense that tongues is an evidence because there's two passages of scripture where it's not clear or it's not, uh, it's not. It's not clear that tongues was evidence in the, in those cases. One of those was in Samaria, when Philip was ministering to the people. He did minister to them, and they get saved. They did get water baptized. Peter, uh, the apostles, Peter and John specifically came and ministered the Holy Spirit to them. And they received the Holy Spirit. But there's no mention of tongues in that scripture. At the same point in time, in the midst of all this, and some of this I taught last last week, so we're not going to go into detail this week. And so this is just a little bit of recap. But Simon the sorcerer was also among those people in Samaria who received, who received Christ, who were baptized in water. But when he, it also says in, in Acts chapter 8 verse 18 that he saw something. 
we we spent a whole hour uh, not third 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 lesson on this. I'm talking about wind. Wind. The Holy Spirit is referred to wind. You can't see wind. We had actually had a little bit of a windy afternoon yesterday here. You can't see it, but we sure could feel it. We could sure see the effects of the wind, the leaves blowing and the trees moving and the flag. I even had to take the flag down uh, momentarily because I didn't want it to damage something. You know, because uh, it just was a little windy. You can't see the wind, but you can sure know it's there. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but there's some manifestations that you know it's there. Simon saw something. And I know there's many manifestations, but I believe what he saw was tongues taking place. So much that he, when he, he saw this power, he, told, he said, he asked Peter, can I, how, how can I buy this? How can I purchase this? Remember, Simon was a sorcerer. He was used to uh, the, the whole money chain to, to power. Peter rebuked him, but in his rebuke, he said something to the effect of, of you have no part in this matter. That's the phrase that he used. You have no part in this matter. He, Simon, I mean, Peter, who was also Simon Peter, uh, he, uh, he also, he recognized that his heart was wrong. His heart was in the wrong spot. He was greedy and whatnot. And Peter rebuked him. But he said, but when he, he said the phrase, you will have no part in this matter, if you study that word matter in the original language, Greek, it's the word logos, mean word. And that word, that, that word logos also means to utter. It's a word. That's being uttered. And in this case, I believe it was tongues that was being uttered. It was a word being uttered. Because back in Acts chapter 2, when they heard people heard tongues in their own language, they heard them speak the wonderful works of God. And so I believe that was the manifestation that he saw. Again, you can't see the Holy Spirit. You can't see wind. But he saw something. Well, that's my take on that. You can disagree with that. But that's still my take on it. In Acts chapter 9, when Paul, he was Saul... He, he was on the way to Damascus. He was persecuting the church. He, he had a visitation from Jesus. He was knocked off his horse, literally. He saw a bright light. And, and during that, the whole event, he was instructed by Jesus to go to Ananias. Ananias also got a forewarning that Saul's coming. Everyone was afraid of Saul. He's killing Christians. Ananias is a Christian. You know, there's certain people, if you think they're a threat to your life, you want to stay away from them. That is probably good advice, okay? But, but uh, the, the Lord told Paul, who was Saul, to go to Ananias. At that time, his name was changed to Paul. Ananias got a little, uh, you know, uh, warning. Uh, that, by the way, I'm sending Saul to you. And when Ananias ministered to him, he received a whole... Not only did the scales come off his eyes from seeing the blinding light... But he, he also received, it says that he received the, the Holy Spirit. But there's no mention of tongues in that conversion, in that ministry of Ananias to, to, to Paul. And Paul's, Paul's written two-thirds of the New Testament, and, he, and there's no showing that he received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the speaking of tongues. Yet, even though that's, that's true, we don't see that in Scripture in Acts chapter 9 when it talks about uh, Saul's conversion. We do read, and we're going to read about it this morning, 1 Corinthians 14, that Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all. So, so even though we don't have any evidence that he received tongues in, in Acts chapter 9, we also don't have any evidence that he didn't speak in tongues. We don't have evidence either way. But we do have evidence in Scripture from Paul's own lips saying that he did speak in tongues more than all. So Paul does speak in tongues. 
and he actually speaks in tongues quite frequently. So anyway, I just kind of use those scriptures to uh, to to uh, uh, challenge any teaching that says you know there's uh, there's not uh, evidence of speaking in tongues in every. Every time I see someone being filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, they receive the Holy Spirit. And I just, I just challenge the two most common ones where people challenge that. Do I believe you have to speak in tongues? No, I don't. It's kind of like tithe. Do I believe you have to tithe? No. I believe you get the tithe. I believe you get to receive the baptism. I believe you get it's a gift. You don't have to receive a gift. If I come to you at Christmas time and I give you a gift, you don't have to take it. You may or may not hurt my feelings, depending on the, the nature. I might just go take it and use it myself. But th- th- my point is, it's a gift. You don't have to receive a gift. It's, there's no law, there's no mandate, there's no commandment that says you have to receive a gift. Do I believe that you can go to heaven if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you're not speaking tongues? Yes. And according to Andrew and Dwayne Sheriff and others, you might get there a little quicker. <laughs> okay. And that's just being facetious, but we're just making the point. Why would you not? I think we need to get off the bandwagon of, well, do I have to? Versus what, do, what has God given me that I can have, that I can participate? I think we're asking the wrong questions when we're like, do I have to? You don't even have to receive salvation. It's a gift. But you won't go to heaven if you don't receive salvation. You know, and nothing is mandatory in that regard. But I don't want to, you know, I want to do what God wants me to do. I want all that God has for me. I don't tithe because I have to. I tithe because I believe, I'm tithed into my high priest, according to Hebrews chapter 7. And I'm tithing because he's my high priest. I'm worshiping him. I don't have to tithe. I get to tithe. And I see, uh, you know, Sherry and I tithe. And we've gone through some challenging things from time to time. But God has always met our needs, and He's met them abundantly. Even during this season of COVID and different things that have happened in the last year or so in our own lives, I'm not going to go all that detail. But God has met our needs, and, 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 and we give Him thanks, and we tithe, and it's the first thing we do. It's not a debt that we owe. It's not a bill that we pay. It's an offering. It's a gift. It's our first fruits. It's faith. It's our worship to God. I'm not talking about tithing this morning. But I'm just trying to connect to some things that we don't have to do, but we get to do. Uh, we get to participate. You don't have to participate in it. You know, you don't have to participate in tithing and see, see the, 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 the benefits. There's some financial benefits of when you sow seed, you're going to have a harvest. <laughs> okay? You don't have to receive it, the benefits. And you don't have to receive the power and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to receive this prayer language, the, the gift of speaking in tongues. <coughs> But I exhort you to, to consider doing that. And we're going to get into that. Let's switch gears a little bit. This is a scripture I didn't go to last week that I ran out of time. Let's go to Mark 16. Mark 16. Now, I don't know if I'm going to finish my notes today. So we may have to do uh, 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 this in two weeks as part of Tongues. I don't want to prolong it, but I also don't want to rush it. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay. I want to make sure, especially on a topic that people are uncomfortable with or uneducated in, I want to make sure I do a thorough job. Okay. Mark 16, 
Mark 16 goes alongside with Matthew 28, the Great Commission. We're talking about the Great Commission here. It's part of the Great Commission. We'll pick it up in verse 15. Mark 16, verse 15. I know some people don't agree that Mark 16 is in the, the original text. The NIV doesn't include Mark 16 in this regard. I have a problem with any translation or anybody who starts cutting out scriptures. I just uh, something just doesn't set right with me in that. I read Greek. In my Greek Bible, there's a Mark 16. Okay? I'm going with Mark 16. And Jesus said, and he, Jesus said to them, the disciples, go into all the world. That sounds much like the Great Commission to me. And preach the gospel to every creature. That means there is nobody who shouldn't hear the gospel. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Remember we talked about three different baptisms a few weeks ago. I believe this is being baptized into the body of Christ. Okay? But he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17 is where we want to get to. Our part of it, yeah, yeah. verse 17 has, includes everything we want here. And these that signs will, not could, not should, not may, but these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. There's that demon that, that we, we don't like talking about. And they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will, same language, recover. There's many things we could talk about in this passage of Scripture, but we're talking about speaking in tongues this morning. And I believe one of the, one of the signs will follow those who believe, they will speak in the new tongues. And in the book of Acts, every time they believed, they, were, they heard the word of God, they were baptized, they were baptized in water, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with new tongues. This was the norm. The two, the two accounts that I was kind of challenging this morning were the abnorm, in the sense that all the other times, they heard the Word of God, believed the Word of God, were saved, were baptized in water, and baptized with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. Speaking in tongues after they were baptized with the Holy Spirit was the norm. Almost every scripture in the book of Acts says they were. There was one, one in Acts 8 where we kind of dealt with this morning, and there was also Paul in Acts 9 that we dealt with a little bit this morning that doesn't get mentioned to that, but it also doesn't say that they did not speak in tongues. So to draw to our conclusion would be uh, inaccurate either way, but at the same point in time we have other evidence where uh, we see tongues may be an occurrence. The point is Jesus said, and I believe anything Jesus says, Okay. I don't know about you, but if I can't believe what Jesus says, we might as well close our Bibles and go home. <laughs> but I, I believe Jesus says, those who believe, they will speak with new tongues. If Jesus says speaking in new tongues is something we'll do if we'll believe, I have a hard time with people saying that speaking in tongues is from the devil. Why would Jesus say those who believe the gospel will speak in new tongues? Why? Who? Who has the authority to say this is from the devil? Are we calling Jesus a liar? Or are we going to believe, let God be true and every man a liar? 
And I'm not trying to be mean and rude here, but I'm also trying to tackle some misteaching myths out there that are just, there's no scriptural basis. Jesus said we'll speak in new tongues. And if Jesus says we'll speak in new tongues because we believe the gospel, this has nothing to do with the devil. He, the, previous, the previous phrase says we'll cast out demons. If we're casting out demons and speaking in tongues, how can that be of the devil when we already cast the devil out? It doesn't compute. It doesn't, it doesn't work. He doesn't say that those, these signs will follow. He doesn't say it's of the devil. He doesn't say criminals will speak in tongues. He doesn't say gangbangers will speak in tongues. He doesn't say adulterers and rapists will speak in tongues. He doesn't say drug users will speak in tongues. He doesn't say unbelievers will speak in tongues. He says those who believe. Okay? We need to let the Bible get in the way of our theology sometimes. I said that a little backwards, but I said it that way on purpose. We, in other words, we need to get, let the Bible get, to get in the way of what we believe. Okay? The Word of God will never prove unbelief, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. There is only one thing most people cringe over, regarding, especially regarding the Holy Spirit, and that is the tongues. So, like I said, some, church, some people have a hard time talking about tithing. But they pray, pray God for provision. Some, people, some churches have a hard time believing that God heals today, but they still pray for the sick. Some people have a hard time talking about demons. But they still pray against demonic activity. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I believe in the gift of speaking in tongues. The issue is tongues. Some churches teach these scriptures are not in the original manuscripts. Mark 16 being. But the, I believe the word of God stands on its own. These things will follow those who believe. That's important. Okay? Now again, just for a little recap, <clears throat> we talked last week about Pentecost, how there's three major feasts, and Pentecost has to do with the Feast of Weeks, which has to do with 50 days after Passover. We see this, and we talked about this last week. I'm not going to go over all that again. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, what does that mean? Because Jesus came to fulfill the law. The Pentecost had fully come. You know, Passover had, has, when did Passover fully come? Passover fully came at the cross. Jesus is the Passover lamb, okay? Uh, Pentecost fully came in Acts chapter 2. We can still experience Passover every day because Jesus is the worthy lamb of God. We have Jesus. We can partake of his table of remembrance all the time. His, his body that was broken for us, the blood of his covenant. And we can partake of Pentecost every day of our life and be filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and among other things. Pentecost, and me, his, his, we'll have pa Pentecost, we'll have Passover forever, forever. We're going to have Pentecost forever, and we're going to have the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a whole other teaching, forever, because Jesus is coming again. We're not going to be in our booths. We're going to be in a brand new body. We're going to be in a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. And, 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 and I know we all sometimes have different interpretations how all that's going to take place, but all I know is Jesus is coming again. And we will go to heaven. We will be with him forever. And so, uh, and so this is awesome. 
And I know we're going to participate at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be feasting. And more, more than just food and all that, we're going to be feasting in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, and that's exciting. But in Acts chapter 2, thousands have come for the Feast of Weeks. Because every male body, every, 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 every able male body was required to come to these three feasts every year. And this particular feast was the Feast of Weeks for Pentecost. Also called, the, uh, also had some other names too. They had heard God's, and when Pentecost had fully come, and the apostles, the, the, the 120 who were in the upper room began to speak in new tongues, each of these people who came from many different countries, they each heard God speak in their native tongue the wonderful works of God. I'm not going to read the context of Acts chapter 2, verse 16. It talks about, you can read it for yourself. One, for time's sake, and two, there are going to be a lot of nations and languages there I can't pronounce. And I'm not even going to try. Okay? I'm going to sound like talking. I'm speaking in tongues and I was actually going to be reading English. You know, uh, because I'm going to be reading all these different languages that people are speaking, and I don't even know how to pronounce the name of the language. Okay, I have a I struggle with that, but so I'm not going to even try tackling that. Uh, all we know, there's about a dozen or so languages that are mentioned there in different dialects, and they all heard them speaking the wonderful works of God in their own language. Again. If tongues is speaking the wonderful works of God, what does that have to do with the devil? And why is it so taboo to some people to speak the wonderful works of God? I believe we should speak the wonderful works of God in our own language, and we should speak the wonderful works of God in our in tongues, in an unknown language. We should, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, we'll eventually get here, but we should not only talk in tongues, we should also sing in tongues. We sang six songs this morning, for, this morning about the wonderful works of God. We sing it in our native language. You can see it in your own native language, and I believe we can also sing it in tongues. That's awesome. We'll get into it in a little more detail, but it's about the wonderful works of God. People from all over the world heard the wonderful works of God being spoken in their own native language. I find nothing demonic about that. I find nothing but good about that. Okay? Uh, uh, these, and these were, not, these were unlearned Galileans. I mean, they, they were even known as unlearned men. Whatever that means in one sense. But, I mean, it, these were not priests. These were not scribes. These were, these were not students of the word in the sense that they went to Bible school or Bible seminary or t cemetery or whatever you want to call it. But they, 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 these, they these were three, these were 12 men or 11 men now who had been with Jesus for three and a half years. And even then they were timid. But now they, they were emboldened by the Holy Spirit and began to speak and in, in, the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. These nationals not only heard the tongues, they heard the tongues in their own dialect, the wonderful words of God. When Pentecost had fully come, many things took place, including tongues. There were some other things being there. The fact that Peter stood up and preached the gospel the way that he did, that was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit as well. Okay, this was the guy who just a just a uh, weeks earlier had denied Jesus three times, and now he stood up and spoke in his native tongue 
the wonderful works of God, uh, and according to the prophet Joel and other places in God's words. But there were some other things that took place that also take place in our churches today. And I, I mentioned some of this last week, is that there was some confusion going on. There was some mockery going on. And that happens today. Some people are confused by the tongues and the malpointing of the Holy Spirit. Some people today are mocking tongues. They're calling it from the devil. That's to me, that's a mockery. That might not be your intent. That might not be your motive. It might not, you might not be being spiteful in saying that. But when you call something the devil that God calls good, that, to me, that's a mockery. Um, and so that might not be your intent. But at some point in time, there was confusion. There was, there was those who were amazed and were marveled at it, but there was also those who were amazed and they doubted it, and they began to mock it. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was not, it was certainly miraculous. But no one got saved because they heard tongues. No one got saved because they heard uh, these tongues. Tongues are beautiful. Tongues are powerful. Tongues are necessary, uh, I believe. And we're going to talk about that. But no one got saved because they heard all these tongues. They were struggling to understand what was going on. And if tongues is all people hear, people are going to struggle too. Okay? The miracles got their attention. The tongues got their attention. But it was Peter's preaching in his native tongue that pricked their hearts and caused them to repent and receive Jesus. Okay? People do not get saved by tongues. People get saved by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You know, some of the confusion mockery is because of the ignorance. But some of it is also because of some of the goofy that has gone around in people's churches. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful by calling it goofy. But when people are confused and people leave the church and leave and don't want anything to do with God because of some of the things we do... That concerns me, okay? And so there's some things I've seen in the name of the Holy Spirit that I left like thinking that was demonic, you know, and, and whatnot. And, and so it, it, it didn't leave me feel, I didn't feel, my spirit did not bear witness with it. And, and so, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and that's what I'm addressing. And, uh, and let me just say this. I think I said this last week. I'm not justifying people's mockery, these people's mockery, these nationals. But I do understand the mockery sometimes. I don't agree with it, but I do understand where it's coming from sometimes. Okay. At the same time, I also believe that if we, if we do everything decently in order, anytime we are operating in the supernatural, there, there's going to be those who mock. There will always be those who mock the wonderful works of God. Whether it's done in a tongue or whether it's done in our native tongue, there will always be those who mock the things of God. Okay, and I don't mind being mocked for loving Jesus. I don't mean mock, mind being mocked, mocked for, for for loving people. I don't mind being mocked for operating in the supernatural and seeing the impossible made possible. Yet I also don't want to be foolish. I don't want to be careless. I don't want to be goofy with the things of the spirit. I want to be a church. A booth, as we were talking about last week, that is mocked because it's God, and it's true, and it's wholesome, and it's right. It's, done, it's the right thing done at the right time, in the right context. In this mocking, Peter stood up, and be, who was speaking in tongues, began to speak in his native tongue. And he, be, he began to 
he, he dealt with this confusion. He dealt with this mockery by preaching the gospel and leading people to the word of God. I believe any good minister, any good pastor, if, if, there's, a, if there's people who are unsaved, or people who don't know what's going on, if there's a confusion what's going on, they need to bring some clarity. They need to bring some, some understanding what's taking place. Otherwise, the devil will take a foothold of that. You know, and there needs to be some, some addressing that. Speaking in tongues is supernatural. But it does not make, but just because you speak in tongues, let me just say this, and I'll say this probably again. Just because you speak in tongues, you are not more spiritual than those who don't. Or let me say it the other way around. Just because you don't speak in tongues, I do not view you as less spiritual than those who do. It's not a hierarchy thing, okay? We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul deals with this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are all on the same level as, that, as far as that's concerned. Do I believe you're missing out on some things? I do. Okay. But that is not, <clears throat> I'm not condemning you with that. I am not looking down at you with that. You know, but I believe you're missing out on some things. And, uh, and I, I don't feel... I, I, I pray as Paul prayed, I desire that you, do, do you walk in these things and that you embrace these things. You know, at the same point in time, I believe we need the supernatural. We need the supernatural, not just tongues, but we need the other gifts of the Spirit ap- operating in the church today. Every generation needs the supernatural. It was the supernatural that drew the crowd. Yes, it was Peter's preaching and teaching from the Word of God that 3,000 people got saved that day, but without the tongues, they would have never showed up. And I'm not saying we're going to necessarily preach, uh, start speaking in tongues so we draw a crowd, but I believe there's some supernatural things that can take place that will draw a crowd. Jesus healing the people and different things drew a crowd. Philip drew a crowd, and Philip operated in healings and miracles quite very fluently. Most evangelists, most missionaries, I believe, flow fluently in the supernatural. They speak and they preach the gospel, proclaim it, but they draw a crowd. Not all of them do that. Billy Graham, did, I don't remember doing a lot of supernatural things, but the Spirit of God was definitely on Billy Graham and he drew a crowd. Okay, so there are different things that can draw a crowd. You know, but we need the supernatural. I mean, our world... Is longing, is crying out for the supernatural. Look at the movies we have out there. All these superhero movies, even occultist type movies, like Harry Potter and, and different things that I believe are demonic, but at the same point in time, that are drawing a crowd. I didn't say all these movies are demonic, but, some, but Harry Potter definitely is, and different things of, of that nature. I totally disagree that. I won't allow that in my house. You know, for different reasons. I'm not here talking about that. But I believe it's very demonic. <clears throat> you know, I used to work at the schools. I had many kids had nightmares because of Harry and Potter. And once that was removed, you know, the, the nightmares went away. That's just one example. I, just, I don't agree with it. I, I believe it's wrong. I believe it's evil. And, uh, and it's not good. It's not something to be toying with. <clears throat> you know, there's many manifestations. Tones is just one of those things. I can go on and on, and we're going to address some of these things in a little bit more detail as we go forward, okay? With that in mind, let's switch gears. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, okay? 
and we're probably going to re- spend most of the remainder of this week and probably going into next week on First Corinthians 14. I'm going to basically read almost the whole chapter uh, verse by verse because I want to. Paul gives a lot of teaching here that we need to hear. Okay, but be, uh, go go ahead and head that direction. I'm going to say some things before we we actually start here. <clears throat> In First Corinthians 12. 13 and 14, those are chapters, not verses. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, three chapters, Paul is bringing order to the church, to a carnal and inexperienced Corinthians regarding the gifts and operating in love versus the flesh, as well as talking about prophecy and tongues uh, in 1 Corinthians 14. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks a lot about the body of Christ and how to operate in the various gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? We'll we'll, we'll deal with that a little bit later, too. So so Paul, in 1 Corinthians 12, does a lot with the gifts in the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul does a lot about the prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and speaking in tongues in our prayer language. Right in the middle of that, I mean, you know, chapter 12, I mean, chapter 14 comes after chapter 12. Okay? But there's something missing. 12, 14 doesn't follow 12. 13 follows 12. So right in the middle of chapter 12 and 13, uh, chapter 12 and 14 is chapter 13. Paul spends a whole chapter in the middle of all this talking about love. Love is, is a supernatural language. And it's right in the middle of all this. Okay? <clears throat> and I'm going to spend some more time on that in just a few moments. But just, bec- just because you are operating... <clears throat> In the supernatural doesn't always mean you're operating in love. And love needs to be a key ingredient. Jesus moved in the supernatural, but Jesus moved with compassion. Okay? I love those verses that will say Jesus had compassion on the people. Compassion was a main ingredient of the ministry of Jesus. And I believe compassion needs to be a key ingredient to our ministry when we're talking about tongues and the Holy Spirit. Okay, but just because you are uh, uh, actually, um, I I told you to go to 1 Corinthians 14, and you can. If you can, keep your finger there, but real quickly go to me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I just want to make a little footnote before we go further, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to look at a couple verses here real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. And Paul is talking to the Corinthians. How do we know chapter 1 is kind of his introduction? Paul is kind of setting the stage for this book, this letter that he wrote to the, the church in Corinth. He says, he says that you are, um, <clears throat> I'll start with verse 4 actually. I thank my God always concerning you. Paul is thankful for the church in Corinth, okay? For the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Paul's giving thanks for them. He's appreciating them. And he goes on, verse 5, that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. I'll come back to that. 
<clears throat> even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Paul is saying here, in his introduction to this letter, you are enriched, verse 5, you're enriched in everything by him, Jesus, in all utterance, in all knowledge. Verse 7, he says, you come in short in no gift. Now, that's what he's saying here in chapter 1. If we fast forward to chapters 12 through 14, which we're going to get there in just a minute, Paul rebuked them for the misuse of the spiritual gifts. There were some misuses of the spiritual gifts that Paul had to bring some, <coughs> some rebuke and some correction to. But just because he's rebuking and correcting something doesn't mean he doesn't appreciate them. He's not restricting them from using the gifts. He's actually appreciating them in chapter 1 that you come short of no gift. But just because they're not short of any gift doesn't mean there's not some correction that needs to be done to take place. Okay? Uh, just because you have the resources doesn't mean you're knowing, you, you have the knowledge of how to use them properly. Okay? And how many you know if you use some things, if you don't use them properly, you can hurt some people? If you don't know how to use a chainsaw properly, you can do some damage. Not only to people, but the property. Okay? If you're cook, ch uh, chopping some wood with a chainsaw, it's going to be a lot more efficient for you. But if you do some damage, it can destroy a lot of good things that you don't mean to destroy. I know that's probably a bad example, but it's just the one that came to my mind. We, need, we have a gift. We have a tool. We have the Holy Spirit. We have a very powerful gift. But we need to know how to use it properly. We have been enriched with some utterances, with some knowledge. We come short in nothing. But... To the church of Corinthians that was operating in the gifts and prophecies like there was no tomorrow, Paul had to bring some correction to that because there was some chaos going on. We don't want chaos. We want people to be edified and be built up properly. Okay? Um, but here in, verse, in, in chapter 1, he's thanking God that they were strong in the gifts. Okay? There's a balance here. I want you to be strong in the gifts. But like Paul, I don't want you or myself to misuse them. Where it brings com unneeded confusion. How many of you know, I already said there will always be those who mock. But we, sometimes we don't, we don't need to bring unnecessary mocking that we cause because we were doing it in the flesh and not the spirit. Okay, The gifts of the spirit were not the problem. Again, I, let me say that again. The gifts of the spirit... Tongues was not the problem. The problem was the misuse of tongues and the gifts. That makes sense? They were enriched with the gifts. And this is how the testimony of Jesus was confirmed to them. He just said that in verse, verse uh, 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. We just read from Mark 16, and these signs will follow those who believe, and one of those things that will follow those who believe is speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues and using these gifts, it brings a testimony of Christ that is confirmed to people. But if it's misused, 
How many of you know if you, you can have a great dish, but if you put a little too much salt or too much of a certain ingredient, it can leave an aftertaste where people just like, ugh. You know? Um, we, we want to leave people with an, how many of you know we are the salt of the earth? And we want to make people thirsty for the gospel. Not, I want nothing to do with that. That is just weird. We, it's a gift. But if we don't use it properly, we can draw people away. And, we, and that misuse becomes something distasteful. And it's not a testimony of Jesus. It become, in their minds, it becomes a testimony. has nothing to do with Jesus. I don't, want to go, I don't want to be that person that becomes a stumbling block to people in that regard. Okay? Um, now, some people, even if it's done right, done decently, done properly, are still going to stumble. Uh, you know, because they're going to still mock. But hopefully it's not because of we did it. Uh, <coughs> but despite their misuse, and, and the church went, Paul desired that they not miss out on any of the gifts. We're going to see that. More specifically in chapter 14 and chapter 12, we're going to see Paul, even though there was misuse going on, Paul desired that they not miss out on using the gifts, on walking in the gifts. I don't want you to miss out on the gifts and the tongues just because there's a lot of misuse out there. I don't want you to misuse them yourselves. But I don't want you to miss out on, I don't want you because there's some misuse, you throw out the whole baby with the bathwater. Some people need to throw out the bathwater. But don't throw the baby out. The baby's not the problem. The bathwater might need to be refreshed and renewed, but don't throw the baby out, okay? Paul never discredited the gifts. Paul never discredited prophecy. Paul never discredited tongues. He did discredit not operating in love. He did. He just wanted them to be used in a godly, loving manner. Is that, am I making sense? Now keep in mind, I know we're talking about tongues. I know we're talking about the gifts. I know we're talking about the Holy Spirit. But this church in Corinth was messed up. And I'm not just talking about tongues and prophecy and different things. I'm, just, I'm not going to go to these scriptures, but let me just give you a, rec- a, a, a brief recap. And I'm not going to include everything, but let me give you some of the, the, the gory headlights of this church in Corinthians. I mean, in chapter 1, and we're not going to turn to particular, there was divisions and contentions among them. Paul called them carnal versus being mature. In chapter 3, there was divisions because they had their favorite teachers. Some follow Paul, some follow Apollos. How I many of you know today we have people who are divided because of favorite teachers? I like Andrew. I like Joseph Prince. I like uh, whatever you, you like. So, you know, we have denominations. We have divisions. Paul called it carnal. Carnal is just another word for natural. Okay, he wasn't cussing. Okay. It wasn't being mean. In chapter 5, we have a stepson sleeping with his father's wife. That's called incest. And Paul rebuked the church because they were glorifying it. They were boasting in it. 
instead of mourning. How many know there's some things we need to mourn? There's some junk that's going on in our world, and even in some of our churches, we need to mourn it, not glorify it. They misunderstood the love and grace of God. They were celebrating such perversion. This is the church we're talking about. Okay? And so Paul had to invoke church discipline to clean some things up. How many of you know as a children, and I know some people that will offend some of you, but some children need a spanking. Not to destroy them, but to bring correction so they can live a godly life and, and live and, and get along with people. Chapter 6. There was disputes and they were suing one another. And Paul rebukes them sharply. He calls it shameful. He speaks to their shame, he said. He talks about in chapter 6. Christians suing Christians. He calls it immature. He calls it ungodly. He says, you take your strife to the, you take your strife to the world. You, you make a you, to, you take your, your problems, your conflict to the world so the world can govern over you uh, in these matters. You take your problems to a godless world who doesn't love God, who doesn't love the kingdom of God, who rebukes and mocks and wants nothing and doesn't believe in the kingdom of God. He says, instead of taking your problems to other believers and settling your problems in the church, do church discipline and different things the way it's supposed to be done. You, you take it to the world, to the Romans, who are godless, and you're having them control and, and speak into your lives. That's wrong. He says, we have no business. If you read chapter 6, Paul said, you, the, we, we have no business in solving the world. The world is the world. But it's the church's responsibility to deal with the problems within the church. Don't take your problems to the world. Let the, let, the, let, the, let, the, let, the, let the church solve those. Okay? You're carnal. It's wrong. Okay? There's a lot more detail I can get into some of this stuff. In chapter 11, they were getting drunk at communion time. They were gluttons. They were taking the communion food, the bread and the wine, and having orgies and, and, and drunkenness and all kinds of stuff. That's wrong. Okay? Paul had, they were dishonoring the poor. This is the kind of church we're dealing with here. We're not just talking about church misusing the, the gifts and tongues and what. They, there's some serious problems going on here. And, okay? Verse 14, he talks about wives dishonoring husband. Now, this passage uh, uh I know chapter 14, we're also going to talk about, um, we're not going to get all this detail here, but we're going to talk about the, the, the tongues and, and, and the prophecy. But in chapter 14, he's also dealing with wives who are dishonoring husbands. Now, the reason I bring this up, because this is one of the most misunderstood passages of scriptures. He doesn't say he's not correcting women in general. He's correcting wives who are usurping their husbands in the public place. That's wrong. There's a difference. Because a lot of people think that women in general should be quiet in the church. He's not addressing women. He is addressing wives who are usurping their husbands in the public place. That's a, there's a big difference there. Not every woman is a wife. Okay? 
and there's a big difference there. You know, uh, this had almost nothing to do with it, but uh, there was there was a speaker we uh, a couple that we uh, we listened to at a, 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 a part of a ministry that we we think highly of, we we think have high regard for it, and we still do. But <clears throat> when the, the the couple got on the platform, and we've heard the speaker, and we, he wasn't one of our favorites. Uh, that was already uh, on our bad side. But when the wife got on the platform with them and they were doing the, 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 the session together, she was constantly putting him down in a public setting from the platform. And Sherry and I do not like that at one night. We do not like when one spouse puts the other spouse down in a public, public platform. We don't like it when the husband do it, does it, but we also don't like it when the wife usurps the husband's authority in a public setting like that. To me, to me, that's the same, almost the same thing that's going on here. It was wrong. Yeah. I don't have a problem with the wife speaking or the, the, the woman speaking, but when they, they cross the line, in my opinion, when they start putting the other one down and when they start usurping the authority of the husband, that's when it crosses the line, okay? It's not the woman speaking. It's not the, them speaking together. Sherry and I do Bible study twice a week together. You know, but we don't usurp one another. We don't disrespect one another. Uh, you know, uh, and so then that's where it crosses lines. Uh, we're supposed to honor one another, especially our husbands, our wives, and especially our wives' husbands. Okay? That makes sense? That's not my teaching, but I want to bring that up. In chapter 14, also, he deals with prophets speaking out over the church. <clears throat> I don't have a problem with prophets speaking. I don't have a problem. And Paul didn't have a problem with prophets speaking. But it became out of control, where he had to limit it to two or three, and others, he told the church to judge whether these prophecies are of God or not. He told the church to judge it. We can judge whether a prophecy is of God or not by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I'm not going to go into all that detail right now, but if you don't have some type of control, you can destroy a church, especially if the prophecies are not of God. And they're, I mean, they're, they're all over the place. And we, and let me just say this, we have met so many people who are more prophecy dependent than they are the Word of God dependent. I'm all for prophecy. I don't think we need to have it more. We don't do it enough in some regards. But there's some churches that we've been part of, they will, they, they, prophecy after prophecy, and the Word of God is never even opened, never even mentioned. Something's wrong with that. I don't want anything to do with that. Okay. Uh, I, I'm all for prophecies. Um, you know, there's some people we know, they want to get the Word of God for the day. Almost like a horoscope. You know? And, uh, and I'm all for getting the Word of God for the day, but I want to hear from God Himself. I want to be in God's Word. And there's some people who, they want a Word, but they'll never search, they'll, they'll have a, they never have a relationship with the Word itself. We're all for prophecy. We're all for tongues. But we're talking about, and the, the title of this season, uh, teaching series is Knowing the Holy Spirit. It's having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, not just operating in the supernatural. If you're operating in the supernatural tongues and prophecy, but you have no relationship with the Holy Spirit, brothers, brothers and sisters, something is wrong. Okay? If you are worshiping the tongues and not worshiping the Holy Spirit, God, something is wrong. If you are uh, having a prophecy dependency, or tongue dependency, or whatever dependency, and not a God dependency, something's wrong. Okay, I'm all for the gifts. But things can get out of control real quick. 
and people can get confused. People can get the wrong word. You know, it's it's hard. I mean, even two or three prophecies in one day can be a lot to digest. Talk about hundreds of prophecy in one day. How are you going to know which one's God? And what if they contradict one another? You know, people can get real messed up real quick. That can be very dangerous for a church. So Paul brings some direction. Paul brings some boundaries to this. Okay? It's not a free-for-all. Okay? Um, Tongues. Tongues are being spoken publicly with no interpretation. Also in... First Corinthians chapter 14, Paul deals with that. Could that could be confusing. If I go to a Spanish church and I just start speaking in English and there's no interpretation, everyone's going to go home. What was the purpose of coming? I didn't hear one word the pastor said. I didn't understand one thing. There needs to be interpretation so people are edified. You know, and we're going to deal with some of that. Okay? So I know some of that was introductory and we haven't gotten to the, the heart of it all. But let, let me say some few more things. We're also going to go into next week. Because I haven't really gotten to 1 Corinthians 14 yet. But let me just say this. There's a myth out there, and I've said it myself to a certain degree, where people are saying, we need to get back to the first century church. I'm all getting back to how the first century church operated, but I don't want to get back to how Corinthians operated. <laughs> I mean, that is, that, that, I don't want to get back to that. And I also don't want to get back to, there were seven churches that Jesus addressed in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. There were seven letters to the churches. Five of them were bad. One, one of the churches, uh, he, uh, he says, Satan has set up his throne in your midst. The, another one, he says, you have the spirit of Jezebel. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get back to those churches either. What I want to get back to is... <clears throat> I mean, let me just say, they have problems just like us. They struggle super, with the supernatural just like us. Speaking more primarily of the Corinthians church. But what we need to get back to is, we need to get back to God. We need to get back to knowing the Holy Spirit. We need to get back to knowing the Word of God, the Spirit of truth. We need to let God be true in every man a liar. Hopefully I'm making sense with that. I'm, I'm all for getting back to the early church where the early church was steadfast. And this is part of our mission statement. This is part of our core teachings. We want to get back to a church that is steadfast in the apostles' doctrine to breaking of bread, to prayer, and to fellowship. I got those out of order, but still the same thing. I want to be a church that does that where daily those were being saved. Okay. I want to know what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, what it says about speaking in tongues. Paul never told us to leave a church or leave the church because there was this misuses going on. No, he brought correction how to use them properly. Okay. <clears throat> so let, let, let me start. I'm not going to finish. I only have about 15 minutes left. So we're going to do the bulk of this next week. But I had to get some of this off the ground. I know my introduction was long. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. And I want to take you to the end first and then go back to the beginning. Because in the end, I find out Paul's, in my opinion, I find Paul is giving his point. He's bringing some conclusiveness to what he's going to say. So I want to read the end of 1 Corinthians 14, and then we're going to go back to the beginning and start reading through. Okay? That, that okay with you? If not, that's what we're going to do. So <laughs> I don't mean to be arrogant. But let's go to verse 39. 
First Corinthians 14, we're going to read the last two verses, and then we're going to go back to the beginning. It says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. <coughs> Again, we're reading the end before the beginning. But Paul, at the conclusiveness of his teaching in 1 Corinthians 14, he comes to this conclusion. Desire earnestly to prophesy and forbid no one to speak in tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Okay? These, these are Paul's directions. This is Paul's conclusiveness in the matter. Desire to speak in, desire earnestly. Not passively, but earnestly to speak in, to prophesy, which is speaking in, under the unction of the Holy Spirit in your native tongue and forbid nobody to speak in tongues. Let everything be done decently in order. Okay, with that in mind, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. We're not going to get very far. And I forgot to mention, by the way, Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. I don't really have a... Uh, Valentine's message for you, but I'm going to end it on a Valentine's note. I didn't plan, I didn't plan this, but it's going to work out. First uh, Corinthians 14, verse 1. Now, again, before you read, I know some of you already read it. Paul spends three chapters. He's, he's bringing some correction. You know, correction's not bad. I mean, we know that Paul says in Second uh, Timothy chapter four, verse uh, verses three, uh, chapter three, verses sixteen, seventeen, that all scripture is powerful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. All scripture is profitable. I want something that's profitable to cor to, uh, to for for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. The moment we are not teachable, the moment we're not correctable. The moment we, we won't be indoctrinated, we're in trouble. By the Holy Spirit. All scripture is God-breathed. It's, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Holy Spirit inspired all scripture to bring us correction. How I many you know we need correction? In second, uh, from time to time. In Thessalonians, Paul says, I come to perfect, perfect that which is lacking in your faith. How I many know sometimes we need some perfection? How I many know a good coach... There's no good athlete out there who has never been coached hard by a good coach. Every good athlete, Olympian, any good, any good athlete of any sport is good because they had a good coach who was disciplined and corrected them, corrected their bad habits, sometimes corrected their bad attitudes uh, and whatnot. Okay, so uh, correction is not bad. It's good. I'm not talking about abuse. Paul never restricted people. He said, forbid no one to speak in tongues. Desire to prophesy. But let's do this decently. Let's do this in order. In chapter 12, he's talking a lot about the body of Christ and the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 14, he talks a lot about tongues and prophecy, among some other things that I just mentioned a few minutes ago. Right in the middle, he spends one whole chapter talking about love. And he starts chapter 14, verse 1. says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may 
prophesy. Pursue what? Love. Pursue what? Love. Pursue what? Love. Pursue love, but desire spiritual gifts. He just spent a whole chapter, chapter 12, on spiritual gifts. He spent a whole chapter 13 on love. He says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. We are not to pursue the gifts. We are not to pursue the tongues. We are not to pursue prophecy. We are to desire these things, but we are to pursue love. I'm pursue And what is love? God is love. 1 John 4, 8, and also verse 16. John also says, This is love, not that you love him, but that he loves you and became the propitiation of your sins. He said in Galatians 5, 6, Faith works by love. Pursue love. I'm not pursuing the gifts. I'm not pursuing tongues. I'm pursuing love. I'm pursuing God. I'm desiring these things, but I'm pursuing God. I'm pursuing my wife. I desire other things. I like food. I like steak. I like chocolate. <coughs> There's things I like. There's things I desire. But I'm pursuing her. That makes sense. I'm pursuing God. There's things I like to do. I like to play golf. I like to go camping. There's things I like to do. We, want, we have a desire to go to Alaska. But we're pursuing God. That makes sense. There's some things I have. There's some things I'm supposed to do. There's some things I'm desiring, but I'm pursuing. My, I, I have the ship, and my, I have <laughs> the other, and I'm, I'm, I'm going full throttle, pursuing God, pursuing love. I have some gifts. I have a body of Christ with me, as he talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, but I'm pursuing God. I'm pursuing love. I like how he starts this whole chapter. And I'm going to kind of end on this note. We're going to spend the rest uh, next week going through the rest of the, the chapter. And I'm sorry I ran out of time. But I felt like I needed to say what I had to say up to this point. But we're going to say a lot of different things about tongues. But I want, you, I want you to look at the bookends of this chapter. The bookends are pursue love. Desire the gifts. Especially that you may prophesy. He ends it with saying, uh, you, you know, pray that you earnestly desire to prophesy. Don't forbid anyone from speaking in tongues. But let's do this decently in order. The bookends of this chapter, after spending a whole chapter on the body of Christ, how we are to operate together with the gifts. And he spent a whole chapter on love that we're supposed to pursue. The greatest gift is love. If we operate in these things and we have not love, we are and have nothing. That's the mis that's with everything we're going to talk about. Let's have compassion on the people. Don't be selfish. Don't be prideful. Pursue love. He spent he told you a bunch of things in 1 Corinthians 13 what love is not. Love is, is not boastful. Love is not proud. Love is not selfish. I, I don't have all these things. Love is not self-seeking. But love never fails. Love never fails. 
Hopefully I'm making sense. I have four more minutes. I'm going to take them. See, many people have pursued the gifts, but don't even desire love. I've seen a lot of religious people operating in gifts of various kinds, even in the fivefold ministry, but there's no love. That's wrong. That's missing. But we need to pursue love. Just because we're pursuing love and not the gifts doesn't mean we don't desire the gifts. So don't, don't misunderstand. We are desiring, and we are desiring them earnestly, especially prophecy. If you don't get, you know, a lot of people have asked, do I have to speak in tongues? No, you don't. But if you're going to only get one of them, pursue prophecy. I mean, I mean, pursue love, but desire prophecy. Prophecy is more important than tongues in one sense. Okay? Paul said so. You know, but forbid no one to speak in tongues. Let me just go to verse 2 real quick. I just got a few more minutes. I'm going to spend more time verse 2 later on. But tongues, when he says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but to God. For no one understands him, however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. There's two parts of this I'm going to deal with later. But tongues is speaking to God. Tongues is also speaking mysteries. I'll deal with, the myst- I'll deal with both of these in time. But how, let me just say this. And I'll spend more time on this later. When you're speaking in tongues, you're not talking to man. You're talking to God. But I don't understand it. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to God. But it sounds silly. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to God. You know, I think it's rude sometimes when someone eavesdrops on another person's conversation. Sometimes it might be appropriate, but sometimes it's just not. You know, obviously, if, if I'm going to have a serious conversation, I probably should go in an atmosphere where I, someone can't eavesdrop. But at the same point in time, you know, uh, I'm not talking to you. There's some silly things Sherry and I will say to each other because they've been a, they've been got an ongoing joke. And if you heard some of our conversations, if you were a fly on the wall, you're like, those people are nuts. And we will probably agree with you. We are. And we like nuts. And so we're okay with that. But at the same point in time, we're not talking to you. We're talking to each other. You know? And so, in so one sense of the word, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful or mean or rude, in some sense of the word, I don't care what you think because I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to God. I'm talking to There's a place for tongues and interpretation in the public setting. But there's tongues in my, my prayer language. I'm talking to God. I'm not even talking to you. So I don't care really what, you, what your opinion in that regard because I'm not having a conversation with you. I'm having a conversation with God. That's another reason why, you know, you know I've also been in, in places, especially like in a foreign country, where our, our, sometimes, I, I don't know if you, this ever happened to you, where I'm in a setting, and there's some other people in the group that speak a different language, usually Spanish, and they want to have a conversation that I can't understand, so they start speaking in Spanish while we're together in the group. And so I can't understand one thing they're saying because I don't understand Spanish. In some sense, I can't eavesdrop because I'm not part of the conversation. In some ways, I think that's kind of rude. If you're going to go have a foreign conversation, go in the other room <laughs> and have a foreign conversation. But uh, it, to me, it's almost like turning your back and, ha- and having a two-way conversation. I'm not included. I think in some ways it's rude. So if you're going to speak in tongues to God, 
go do it privately with God. Don't do it publicly. It's the same, to me, it's the same like talking to someone else in a foreign language or someone else in the room so they can't hear and be part of the conversation. To me, that's kind of rude and disrespectful. Okay? Same way, you know, be respectful. In the public setting, I'm not saying in worship, I'm not saying it's totally taboo. And I'm not saying it's totally taboo for someone else to speak in a foreign language in my presence. At the same point in time, you know, uh, there are some courtesies, there are some manners that we can use. And it, it's very common in a worship setting where people are worshiping in between songs or even the middle song, they're under their breath, they're, they're speaking in tongues. But they're not, they're not going on the, on, the, on the stage, on the mic, and, 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 or, uh, and uh, you know, increasing the volumes, and, and, and so the whole, it can be a, a nuisance to everyone else. They're just speaking privately. <laughs> it's the same thing, same time if we're socializing in a big in a, in an event, in between services or whatever, and I start having a conversation, one with you, uh, next to each other, you know, I'm not speaking out loud with a big announcement where we're going to hear. You know, we've, we've gone to a library where it's quiet and there's a library in Glendora right before closing times. Someone will loud, yell out at the top of their lungs, the library is closing in 15 minutes. And I don't ever ever seen the comic strip Peanuts, Charlie Brown, and everyone flips over when something like, happen, like that happens. I mean, they just cause a ruckus. I know they're supposed to make an announcement the library is closing in 15 minutes, but the last 15 hours it was quiet in here. And then all of a sudden, someone yells out, the library's closed in 15 minutes. I don't know about you, but I just swallowed my pencil. <laughs> it just, uh, it, uh, anyway, and uh, that's just a little side joke that Sherry and I have, because it, it always, uh, it always, uh, anyway, it's, it's a scene every single time. But every, uh, I, um, where did I get that? You know, it's okay, it's appropriate, and that, and sometimes the worship leader, in between song, the melody, even the middle of the song, might say the same thing under their breath or on the mic so you can still hear it. They're not really talking to you, they're talking to God, and I don't find that inappropriate. You know, they were constantly doing that, where it was a nuisance and annoying, and I know some people can be annoyed at anything, you know, and I get that, I understand that, but it, to me, it fits, it fits, it's fine, it's okay. Now, if they burst out in the tongue, you know, all the, you know, and whatnot, then, then yeah, we need to pray for interpretation. And we're going to talk about later about even in your own prayer language, between you and God, you can pray for the interpretation of what you just said. Okay? And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later in more detail, too. But uh, I'm out of time for the day. And I, I'm sorry we didn't get into 1 Corinthians 14, but I, I don't want to rush this. I want, there's some... There's a lot of good nuggets I want to get into in First Corinthians 14 that I believe you, some of us need to hear. Okay, and I haven't, I barely talked about it. But if you don't remember anything, pursue love. Pursue love. Yes, desire the gifts, but pursue love. And if you don't have the gifts, you don't have the tongues, but you pursue love. To me, you're more mature, more spirit-filled than than a lot of people who are operating the gifts who don't have love. In my opinion, because the greatest gift is love. That is that. Love, respect, and all those things is a sign of a mature Christian. Tongues and the gifts is not necessarily a sign of a mature Christian, but those who can get along with one another. You know, when we were in school, elementary school, school yes, we learned our, the ABCs and elementary teaching, academics, but we learned how to get along with one another. And when you learn how to get along with one another, use your manners, to me, you're mature. I don't care how, it's not based on age, it's based on maturity. 
And those who know how to get along with one another, based on 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and even into 14, are mature Christians. And pa Paul's dealing with a very immature church. They had a lot of problems. They had a lot of strife. They had a lot of division. They had a lot of issues. Tongues and, 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 uh, and prophecy and these things were, to, to me, the least of the problems compared to some of the other stuff they're going through. At the same point in time, we need to love. And I believe, we, yes, we want to do everything decently in order, but until we have love, I don't see anything can be decent in order. And, I, and, I, and I, we want to use the gifts. We want to use tongues. We want to use these things. But, you know, it's just like, and we'll get into some music. Music is, have you ever seen a toddler just pound the keys on the piano? They're playing music, but it is not tasteful at all. And I've done that. I've done that going up and down the keyboard, because that's about the only melody I know how to make. You know? Or, you know, ding, 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 ding. But when you ever hear uh, uh, someone just play a nice, beautiful song in, in harmony with music, and it's just, it just makes your heart dance. You know? And so when things are done decently in order, it's like an orchestra. It's just beautiful music. And people can I, can, I can make, there used to be a TV show, Name That Tune. I can, sometimes you can name the tune if you know your music. I know some songs. I know the Happy Birthday song. I know some worship songs. I know the Star Spangled Banner. You just play the music. I understand the, uh, the, the song. There's some songs I don't know, but it's still delightful. It's just, to me, the tongues and these gifts are that way too. If they're not done decently in order, it's just a cleaning symbol, like someone pounding the, 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 the keys on a, a piano. But when it's done properly, it's music, and we understand. It's act, music is actually a language, and that we can listen to and, and whatnot. And so it's just beautiful, and it's done hard. And everyone is edified. Everyone is, yeah, is, is is blessed. Lord, we worship you. Lord, teach us, teach me, again, the powerful of knowing the Holy Spirit, and specifically knowing the benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and specifically speaking in tongues. Prepare our hearts as we get, come next week and go into 1 Corinthians 14 and go in more detail as Paul brings some correction and direction of how we need to operate in this awesome gift that you have given us that you said would follow those who believe. We worship you, we magnify you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock as we talk about effortless change.